Today, we'll be reviewing all the trade deadline deals and the fantasy baseball impact of those deals. That and more today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. I'm Taylor Tarter, and this is Fastball Fantasy Baseball. Let's get into it. We've got a guest host on the podcast today, stepping in for Matt. Nick is a fellow fantasy baseball nut like me, and also like me as a league champ. Nick, thanks for jumping on today. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Let's do a quick league recap for uh, last week's matchups. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. Dude, do we have to talk about last week? The last two weeks have been rough for me, man. Um, I went three and seven in consecutive weeks in the, in the eight-team league that we're in together. Um, I have lots of top players on the IL, similar to what you've had in the past. Recently, I've had Tatis, Betts, DeGrom, Bregman, Kershaw, Seeger, all on the IL at the same time. Um, thankfully, I'm getting some of those players back, and we'll talk about all those injury starters later in the show. Um, in my 10-team league, uh, again, this is a no-stolen bases. Um, and K's also count as categories. That's a weird uh, league. Is, it's fun. Um, there's 12 categories. Um, and OPS is also count. I had, I had another good week. Um, I've taken a ninth place team that I, I took over midway through the season. Um, and, and I've got it now up into fourth place. So I went seven and five last week behind some really good performances from a few of my pickups. Joey Votto had an amazing week. Um, hit 375 with seven home runs, eight runs scored. 11 RBIs and four walks last week. So if you're sleeping on Joey Votto, you probably already missed your opportunity to pick him up. And, um, and it was like something like five back-to-back-to-back home runs, like in yeah, like so five he, games. Yeah, so he hit a home run in six of six. the seven games the Reds played. And he actually was one run home run short of tying a baseball record with home runs in seven consecutive games. Um, so that's been a huge pickup um, for me. And then also I've been really pleased with, um, obviously, Willie Adamas has been amazing since he's gotten over to Milwaukee. That was a big pickup in that league. And then Jonathan India, I think he's been uh, sneaky and he's got uh, four out of his 10 home runs since the All-Star break. I know uh, you and I differ a little bit sometimes in t- terms of the types of players we like, um, and he doesn't match your preferred player profile. Not a lot of hard hit Um or a lot, a lot of hard contact. That's not where he's at, but he still has 10 home runs. Um, his OPS is 850. His chase rate is in the 90th percentile of the league, and so is his walk rate. He gets on base. He's scored 57 runs on the season. Um, personally, I'm using him. I'm using him in in, in our other league because he's he's got uh, – <laughs> I've got so many guys that are on the injured list, but in this league um, with 10 teams, it, it's definitely somebody that I'm using. I'm happy with how – how did last week? How about yourself? What were your weeks like? So just real quick, I, I just think it's funny that we, you and I have like kind of totally different yep. draft philosophies and like player yep. philosophies. Like you typically go for like average stolen bases, things like that. And, and runs. And, runs. Yeah. and I'm usually like runs, home runs, RBI. Like I... Yep totally don't care about batting average and you and I are one and two in, yep. in our league. So it's just, and you draft, you also drafted a lot of relievers and I never draft a single reliever. I didn't draft a single reliever this year, last year, the year prior, um, and just get all my saves off the waiver wire. And it's just a very different, but yet at the same time, one and two. So, so interesting. You know how many relievers I have on my team right now? How many? Zero. <laughs> And I have, I have three. Well, you traded me one of them. You traded me a Raldis Chapman. And, uh, <laughs> and just like, so really quick for people listening, right? So part of the reason why I drafted relievers like heavily in, in, the, in, the, uh, in our draft was to target the saves whip and, and ERA. But once, you know, some there's things that happen right where you need to make trades to get stronger in other categories and I saw the opportunity to trade top relievers to get better somewhere else and so that's kind of where I went with it Um, you know I traded 
to get, uh, I traded a reliever as part of a package to get Kyle Tucker. I think I traded a reliever to you to get Jose Altuve, right? And so those are situations where like, hell yeah, I'm going to do this. Uh, So, and then I've, uh, since then I've acquired players like Max Scherzer and and I've been really loading up on very good starting pitching instead. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where you may go in to the season with this one strategy in mind, but it doesn't mean you have to ride with it the whole way, right? If you Absolutely. see opportunities in different places, you know, maybe strategies change. Sure. And I think it speaks to the importance of knowing your league and who you're playing with. And I think that's one of the reasons why I prefer keeper or dynasty formats, because you learn more about the way people operate. And I know that there are people in our league that are going to draft more relievers. So I'd rather load up on hitters in the draft. Um, There's also a risk with that too, because you could be using a draft pick, you know, your 125th draft pick, instead of picking a reliever when everyone else is picking one there, you pick someone who completely busts. Like maybe you picked Keston Hura because that's where he was ranked. That's, that's a bad ranking for him. He was top 100. Um, And then you miss out on someone else. So you, you have to constantly adjust. That's absolutely correct. So getting back into the, the league recap here. So I got beat by a lot in my points league this week. Uh, it was, there was like a 10 point edge in it to my uh, um, opponent in, in our hitting categories, but it was like a hundred point difference in, in pitching. Uh, oh, I had a couple bad streamers really tank my week. Uh, and I, it, it was just one of those weeks where I only got one start out of my like big guns, you know, my, my main guys. Uh, and so it was just hard to maximize starters were limited to six pickups, uh, per week in that league. And, you know, I used them all on streamers and four out of my five streamers stunk. So it was just a, it was just a bad week there. I'm still in first place in that league, but now only by a game, um, including this week. We have three more matchups before our playoffs in that league. Those matchups are, I think, two weeks apiece. Um, and our fantasy trade deadline in that league was uh, this past Monday and it was a whirlwind I had like six deals on the table at one point I was looking for pitching I was looking for outfield but I waited too long to make the call on one deal and it wow. ended up scrapping all my other moves all the rest of them went out the window yep. oh. so so I'm kind of stuck with what I got at this point which is okay it's it's done me well for uh for about what 15 weeks so far this season yeah. so the That's other league Go ahead. I would say that that's good that there's there's no limit on the number of pickups you have except for week to week. The one league I'm in has a minimum $1 bid on all free agent bids. So after you run out of money, you can't pick anyone else up. Wow. So I'm wor- in that league I'm worried about making any trades I want and shoring up my team before cuz I'm at, I got $40 left. Like I'm not shy about streaming. But you have to be really cautious. Yeah. So that's good you still can pick people up, you know. That's that's good. Yeah, I, I, I have some ideas in mind uh, for, for uh, future acquisitions. Uh, so in, in our league, uh, our eight-team head-to-head Cats league, I'm starting to pull away. I'm up 13 and a half games on you right now. Uh, I'm going to feel better when Trey Turner and Christian Yelich come back from COVID. Walsh is on the IL-2, and he should be back soon. I added Dalton Varsho and Kyle Farmer right now who are hot bats uh, over the last two weeks. But, and so Varsho, he has some sneaky, nice hard contact metrics since he started getting consistent playing time, 44% hard hit rate, uh, almost an 8% barrel rate, which, you know, relatively speaking is not great, but for a guy like mm-hmm. him, it's decent and average isn't great right now, but you know, he has room to improve almost every data point for him has improved this season uh, from last season. And for Farmer, it's a bit of a power surge this season. This is his first time getting consistent playing time. He's not doing anything special with hard contact, which is, like you said, something that's a a focal point for me. But 
what he has done is significantly improved his plate discipline. The legit 260 right now, which again, <clears throat> relatively speaking, is not great, but what for what he's going to give you is pretty good. Probably ends up around a 15 home run guy, 260 average, five stolen bases. He's not going to win you leagues, uh, but you know he's a good sort of injury streamer. You know, a guy that I'll ride for you know another week or so until some of my other horses come back. Um, yeah. You know, a guy I'm not afraid to drop uh, if I need to. Great deep league option too. Yeah, it makes sense to have players like that uh, that can fill in when you've got people like Walsh and you know and and Yelich on the on the IL. You need you need farmer and it's it's kind of that juice the orange metaphor yep. right that they, yep. they say a lot of times you got to have them um by the way i'm making moves i'm coming for you in our in our league as soon as i get like 90 percent of my roster healthy I, I just traded we'll talk about it probably a little bit but i just i traded my good old boy Degrom here had him for years but it was time to move on big deal big deal yeah big big deal <laughs> All right, let's uh, go ahead and look at which players had the best Week 16 matchups. Here are the players that had the best Week 16. Uh, One player that I thought had an awesome week was uh, Atlanta third baseman Austin Riley. We already mentioned uh, uh, Joey Votto, uh, but... You know, I want to give I want to give some uh, some spotlight to somebody who hasn't gotten a lot of spotlight this year. So uh, Austin Riley last week went seven runs, five homers, and thirteen RBI. Uh, he went three seventy nine uh, for his batting average, and like a lot of people, I added him months ago, thinking he was on a heater. He was going to go back to striking out, go back to the old ways, but he's actually stayed relatively disciplined. And so I'm going to give you some 2019 versus 2021 stats for Riley. And I think they're going to blow your mind. So he had a 36% strikeout rate in 2019. Now it's at 24%. Not, not great for a guy like, uh, like Mike Trout or whatever, but that's a big jump for a guy like Austin Riley. A big part of the reason his K rate is down so much is because his chase rate is down. In 2019, he was chasing the ball out of the zone 47% of the time. Right now it's 32%. Uh, Mm. Some other 2019 versus 2021 comps, he had a 63% contact rate, overall contact rate in, uh, in 2019. Now it's at 74%. 20% 20% swinging strike rate in 2019 is down to 12.7%. That's a he big has deal. significantly improved his discipline. So it's no wonder the batting average is up from 226 in 2019 to 289 now. And one thing you look at for a guy like this is, okay, is, is Babbitt ballooning his average? But it's not. Uh, uh, well, it's not that much. Uh, if, if he goes 20, 250 to 260 the rest of the season, he could end up with like a 275 batting average by the end of the season, which, you know, people wouldn't have thought of with him playing the, you know, the last two years. But if you go back to like old scouting reports, this is the kind of player that people thought he would be. Uh, so he's starting to kind of mature a little bit is what it looks like. Also, some of my favorite stats. He crushes the ball. Okay. <laughs> sixth, yep. sixth highest barrel rate and hard hit rate for third baseman. Second in slugging for third baseman and 15th overall in the majors. Also, one of your stats that you like a lot, WOBA, which is yep. sort of a catch-all offensive metric. Mm-hmm. He's third highest WOBA uh, for third baseman and 17th highest in the majors. He's having an excellent season, and I'd say in most formats, you have to look at him as a top 10 third baseman rest of the season, maybe even higher. Mm -hmm. One other player who uh, I thought had a a pretty awesome week last week was, of all people, Cleveland starting pitcher Cal Quantrill. So other players, so he had two quality starts last week. There were a few others that had two quality starts 
uh, Herman Marquez and Adam Wainwright. However, each of them gave up five earned runs over their uh, two starts last week. Vlad Gutierrez also had two quality starts, but he allowed a little bit more offense than Quantrill. And then uh, as sort of like a consolation, uh, San Diego starting pitcher Joe Musgrove also had a really good week. He struck out 11 over seven innings, no earned runs, three hits and a walk. Uh, he won, got a win and a quality start, but Quantrill is rostered way less than most of those other guys, only 16% in ESPN leagues. So his line last week was 12 innings pitched, seven hits, one earned. He did walk five batters, but he struck out 11. His ERA over that stretch was 0.75 with a 1-0 whip. Uh, on the season, he's not great. 61 strikeouts in 84 innings, a 340 ERA. Uh, you know, they're just kind of over the last couple of weeks, they're just starting to use him as a, as a starter uh, with a bunch of uh, other Cleveland pitchers out. So it was a good uh, couple of weeks for him. Uh, he did well against the White Sox in St. Louis, but to me, he is clearly a, a streamer. Uh, he, he's very much matchup dependent. Um, his K rate is under seven. He has lots of pitches with a higher expected batting average than a uh, batting average against than an actual batting average against. And he's only two and two on the season in, in leagues that count wins. And three of his four quality starts came in the last 15 days. So that kind of tells you a little bit about him. Maybe Cleveland starts letting him go deeper in games for the rest of the season, but he's still only stream worthy to me, despite having a really, really good week. And don't be surprised if you do stream him, if you do get burned um, because of some of those statistics, I, I, I'm a little gun shy on him because I was burned by him twice earlier. And, and that's, the nature, obviously, we know is streaming. But let's go back to somebody else that you mentioned last week, and that's Adam Wainwright. I'm still so surprised by him. One, considering his age. Maybe it's because he's back in St. Louis and he's like, I've got this resurgence. I don't know. But it, two starts, both quality, two wins. I mean, granted, they were Cleveland and Minnesota, but he limited them to two and three runs respectively, which is enough for a quality start. I mean, his, his ERA on the season is – uh, 3.53. Um, his K to nine, while it's not fantastic, it's up by an inning this year, right? It's only um, at 8.5. Um, and his fastball velocity ranks 185 out of 197 starting pitchers Jeez. to throw 20 innings. Yet he's still got that ER, right? Like it's mind boggling to me. Location, um, location, it, location. I mean, if, if it was me, if I had him and you have someone that's looking for starting pitching, He's someone that you might try and sell just based on like, especially if it's someone who's been playing fantasy baseball for a little bit and has a little nostalgia of the old Adam Wainwright and thinks, oh man, he's doing so great this year. I think he could fall, the wheels could fall off and he could fall apart any minute. It's just, uh, he's, he's due for a, a few games to blow up, especially against some of the tougher teams that, I mean, thankfully Chicago just traded everybody. So he gets them a few, a, a little more, but I'd be nervous with Adam Wainwright. And unfortunately, we have some COVID updates, so let's get into that. Coronavirus! We already know that uh, Christian Yelich and Trey Turner have been out a few days uh, already after each testing positive. Yelich is supposedly coming back Thursday as long as he tests negative. Turner should be back on Friday or Saturday, is what the Dodgers are saying. After Yelich tested positive... Milwaukee closer Josh Hader also tested positive on Tuesday. He was one of a handful of, of others in the Milwaukee bullpen that tested positive. Then we get news on Monday that Garrett Cole tested positive. Uh, fellow Yankees pitcher Jordan Montgomery had a positive COVID test on Tuesday. You have to factor a minimum of 10 days for each of them. So it's probably two starts that they're going to miss. Uh, all of this comes after an outbreak in the Arizona clubhouse last Friday. And the only player there of note for fantasy that's out is Paven Smith. Um, and so, you know, some issues there. Then uh, also Miami middle infielder Jazz Chisholm got put on the COVID list on Tuesday. There's no word if he actually has COVID, though. 
but at this point, you, can, uh, you can't really count on him to stay in the lineup. He's been out on the IL a couple of times. Now we get this. He could already be at like 2020, you know, meaning 20 home runs, 20 steals, if he hadn't been out so much. And he's oh, just yeah. like squandering his potential. It's crazy. Such a, I thought when he came, when he started, I thought he was going to end up potentially winning rookie of the year. And he's just, I'm, I'm glad I traded him when I did, but he's just, he can't stay healthy. Can't it's, stay it's on the one field. Thing I, he's someone who if he stays healthy he's a top 100 player in my mind but he's just he's not there and so to me I don't know if you've noticed this but to me Mm -hmm. what seems to be happening is that there are a handful of teams that keep having outbreaks and what that tells me is that teams like the Nationals the Brewers the Yankees the Diamondbacks you know this is something that we have to consider going forwards is like certain teams are prone to having these outbreaks and whether it's like them just not being safe or the area that they're in, or Mm -hmm. maybe players chose not to get vaccinated. Right. Uh, You know, it's something that we have to think about going forwards. COVID isn't going away. Yep. But and pe- people and these players are are refusing to get the vaccine, and so this is something that we have to factor into roster construction for the rest of the season. We got to factor into drafting next year. Yeah, you know what I heard the last night. I was watching the O's Yankees game, and I didn't realize this, but the Yankees were the first team to have eighty five percent of their team vaccinated. And I think it's what you're saying is important to remember. It's not going anywhere, and it's also a reminder and. Mind you, I, I work in healthcare, so I see this stuff all day, every day. But like, just because you got the vaccine doesn't mean you can't get COVID. It's not going to stop affecting us because people are getting the vaccine. It just impacts the severity of it if you do get COVID. So you're right. We've got to factor it into it now, into next year. And who knows how long past that? Because the reality is not even 50% of our nation's vaccinated. So we got, it's yep. going to be here. So. Well, we got to cover injury news, so let's take a look at what's happening across the league. Ouch, baby. Very ouch. The biggest injury in recent days was San Diego shortstop Fernando Tatis hurting his shoulder on a slide. No, God, this is, no. This is his second subluxation, which is a partial dislocation of the shoulder. Uh, It's his third time, I believe, on the IL this season for his shoulder. The Padres say they're going to watch him over the next couple of days, and if he progresses well, they're going to try to bring him back this season. But if not, then he may end up having shoulder surgery, which would be season-ending shoulder surgery. And this is particularly important because lots of people had him as – number one in drafts next year. So if he has this surgery, how does this affect his draft stock? He's going to, to, he might start the season on the IL, right? Shoulder injuries do not, uh, you, you don't recover from them right away. Um, it's, it's something hard to bounce back from. So that's something mm-hmm. that we have to factor in. Do we have to factor in that he's not going to play 150 games, 140 games next season. You know, is he injury prone? Um, Is this going to keep happening? Right? Mm -hmm. So one thing that I have been thinking is, is Trey Turner the number one player for the rest of this season? And and should he be valued higher than Tatis next year? Especially if Tatis has surgery. It almost has to be. I I like... Juan Soto more than I like Trey Turner in terms of the overall skill, but there's nobody left on the Nationals team for him to, you know, like his his counting stats aren't going to be the same what they were. Yeah, um, he's going to be like Trey Fran Turner. Mill. He's going to be like exactly. Fran Mill a couple years ago with 35 home runs and 40 and runs else. and 40 RBI. <laughs> exactly, and it's like when you look at Trey Trey Turner went to. The, you know, the super team of, of the major league of major league baseball. 
how can he not be the number one player? You know, look at the, the team he has around. He, he went from a team that was a good team that was, and he had the st stats that he has, and now he's on the Dodgers. His counting stats should go up. Um, and then if he's going to play, I don't know, I don't know if he has second base eligibility right now, but if he adds second base eligibility, he, he might get second there, base and outfield by the end yeah. of this season. Now, prob amazing. probably won't probably won't play enough there to get it for to start next season. But you got to imagine the Dodgers are gonna like play these guys everywhere. Mookie is starting at second base this week. You know yeah. they're gonna they're gonna play these guys wherever they want. You know, when you think about that, so it's amazing that even with the number of times that he's been on the injured list, and it just speaks to how good of a player he is, the dude still has 31 home runs. Unbelievable. That's in insanity. Um, I just, I really truly think what happens with him is all dependent on when he has the surgery. At the end of the day, if he's stubborn and if his history this year shows anything, it's that he's, he wants to play. I feel like he's going to wait until the off season if he possibly can, like at all costs, because the, the Padres are pushing and trying to, you know, win now, if that happens and he has this surgery in the off season, I don't know if he's going to give you back top 20 value. Now I would still take a chance on him if I was in redraft next year, but I would definitely bump him down the draft board, maybe third round. Um, the, and shortstop is just so deep. There's no reason why I would take a chance on him when you can get stolen bases somewhere else. You can get home. Like there's a lot of other guys you can get that would fill in for him rather than taking the risk on when he's going to come back. Obviously, if you're in dynasty or keeper, hold him. He's just oh, yeah. way too, he's way too young and too good. You're not going to get anything even remotely close to his value moving forward. Yeah. And one, one quick thing, if, if I was a betting man, which I am, I would throw a ton of money on Trey Turner to win NL MVP. Just mm. saying. All right. Uh, here we'll keep going here uh, with some injuries. So Angels outfielder Jared Walsh hit the IL with an intercostal strain, which is like in your ribs. Uh, he wasn't doing well in the 10 days or so leading up to the, the IL stint. And so I'm wondering if he was playing a little bit hurt before then. Uh, it doesn't seem to be too painful of an injury for him. He's still very good. Top 10 for both first baseman and outfielders and barrel rate. Uh, top 10 in first base in Woba. Number 16 in Woba for outfielders. He's the number four first baseman in slugging and the number eight slugging outfielder. Dude's a beast. He should be back sooner rather than later. I'm not worried. Uh, New York Mets starting pitcher Jacob deGrom. He is still having issues. Uh, his, his MRI revealed right forearm inflammation. He's going to be out a little while longer, getting a new MRI in, in 10 days or so. So he'll be out, obviously, at least 10 more days. Redraft leagues, you, you got to give him a little bit more time to come back. Even if you get like two starts out of him at the end of the year, it's going to be during the playoffs, like the fantasy playoffs. Mm -hmm. And he could make a difference in, in winning and losing your championship. Um, so you really kind of, you, you kind of have to wait and see on him uh, in a redraft league. Yeah. I, I saw that most recently they said that he was, uh, he wasn't going to throw again for two more weeks, which really the earliest I see him back knowing that is if he doesn't throw for two weeks, everything comes back clean. He's still not going to have to ramp up. He'll have to throw, throw a bullpen session or two is, is like you said, September. And the, the key here is that's if everything comes back clean. When you look at someone who throws as hard as he does with his arm motion, and you've said it in past shows, like it's only a matter of time. I mean, if he doesn't ever end up having Tommy John surgery, I'd be shocked. And, you know, I think if you've got him in a redraft and you're close to making the playoffs, I know you say hold. I think depending on your situation and what your team looks like, see what you can get back for him. If you can ship him somewhere, if you don't make the playoffs, you have no chance at winning uh, anything. So if you can get something back for him in redraft, I, I think it might be worth a shot. I know I traded him in our keeper league and, and got back a, a pretty decent haul for him. 
And I, I felt like I just needed to do it because my pitching was, was struggling. And I'm afraid that he's going to eventually need the, the Tommy John. When you look at his age, he's over 30. I would rather hold on to somebody like Corbin Burns, who I have, who's a little younger and is not that far off from DeGrom. Granted, he's having the best year ever, but at this point, he's not even going to qualify right. with enough innings to, to win, to, um, to break the ERA record. He just hasn't pitched enough. Yeah, he's, he's and, constantly hurt. And uh, and about Tommy John, so what doctors, what what you know, uh, doctors who do that surgery have said is basically like the tread on the elbow after Tommy John is about seven years before you are likely going to need another one. It's been mm-hmm. eleven years since Degrom's uh, Tommy John. So the tread on the, on the, on that elbow are, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's getting down there. So it sure is speaking of Tommy John, uh, Tampa Bay starting pitcher, Tyler glass. Now you can officially drop him in redraft leagues. He's having Tommy John wow. surgery. That likely means he's out until 2023 Yankees first baseman, Luke Voigt. He's starting a rehab assignment this week. He should be back in the next week or two. I just want to see if he's totally healthy at this point because he's been in and out so much. He could be a good ad, uh, a good waiver ad if a frustrated owner dropped him earlier in the season. Um, I would definitely give him maybe a few days of playing time just to see how it goes. Plus, Rizzo is going to take his spot. So is he going to DH? How often is he going to DH? We'll see. Uh, Oakland starting pitcher James Caprielian. He's on the IL with shoulder inflammation, but it's not considered serious. He's been really good this season. You got to keep him on your roster. Um, uh, another starting pitcher coming back, uh, Oscar Inoa, Atlanta starting pitcher. He's starting a rehab assignment this Sunday. Uh, I think from what I've read, they want to give him three rehab starts before bringing him back, but obviously that can change depending on how he does in those starts. Um, you know, one thing I'm interested to see is if he comes back and does as well as, as he was doing before. Uh, Atlanta should also get back starting pitcher Ian Anderson and catcher Travis Darno in the next couple of weeks as well. So, you know, the per- perfect time for them to, to restock basically um, and make a playoff push. Uh, one player that I'm super excited to see back is Boston starter Chris Sale. So uh, we talked about him last week. Um, I, my thought is he is going to come back versus Tampa Bay at home in Boston on August 12th. So he's making a rehab start on Saturday. And if they start him on, on you know, his, his fifth day, that'll be August 12th. He's a must add if he's out there. Uh, Boston, Boston is getting uh, outfielder Kyle Schwarber, who was acquired from the Nats back from the, the IL soon. He's, they're saying he's likely only going to need one rehab outing. Uh, the team says he'll do that soon. I'm curious to see how they use him. Uh, will they have him play first base? Uh, how does this affect you know, the, the outfield situation, the playing time? Uh, you know, DH. We'll talk more about him and, and some other trade deals yeah. later. How do they not start him at first base? Who else are they starting? Bobby Dahlbeck? <laughs> yeah. The king of strikeouts? Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> uh, Chicago White Sox outfielder, uh, Louis, Louis, I'm going to mess up his name. Every time. Louis <laughs> Robert, a.k.a. We'll just call him Lou Bob. Lou Bob. Uh, he's very close to coming back. Uh, potentially by this weekend, perhaps early next week. That's exciting. Yeah. Spe- and speaking of returning White Sox, White Sox outfielders, Eloy Jimenez came back last week. Um, he actually only played two games and then he went out with a groin injury. Uh, he avoided the, the IL, but you have to wonder if the White Sox are rushing these two back a little too quickly. So I would watch them. I have done my best to acquire them. I'm very intrigued by, by Lou Bob for the future. I see just the potential of him moving forward. But in redraft, you got to worry about are they going to stay healthy moving forward? Yeah, they're they're very intriguing, very exciting players. A um, bunch of Reds news today, actually. Uh, infielder Mike Moustakas is starting a rehab assignment. He should be coming back soon from plantar fasciitis. 
The problem is that plantar fasciitis is something that like keeps coming back. Um, and so he's one of those players where I would say, wait and see. Yeah. I, they are going to rest him a lot. Um, he's probably not going to give you much in fantasy for the rest of the season. Um, he's been injured half the season. And even when he's playing, he's not playing up to Mike Moustakis of years past. Yeah. I would wait and see. He's one of those guys where you hope next year you have uh, a bit of a comeback from him. Outfielder Nick Senzel is also starting a rehab assignment. It's going to crowd that outfield, uh, especially with uh, Nick Castellanos also resuming baseball activities this week. And then pitchers TJ Antone, Lucas Sims, and Michael Feliz are all starting rehabs or throwing bullpens this week. I think they said TJ Antone might uh, might take a little bit longer, but still, that's really good signs for for the Reds. Kind of explains why they weren't that aggressive at the deadline. I, you know, they're anticipating yeah. getting a bunch of these guys back. I'll I'll be interested too to see how all of those pitchers coming back in the bullpen impact Hembry out there as well. Will he continue to get the saves? It's going to be interesting. And if you're, if you all are interested last episode, we talked to a Reds reporter, so you can go back and listen to last episode to get some insight there. Houston third baseman, Alex Bregman had a setback from a quad injury in a rehab game. Uh, He pulled, uh, he was pulled from the game because of hamstring tightness. Um, he, uh, started a rehab game yesterday, uh, and he has another rehab game Tuesday. Um, so it's still, he's still got a little while, uh, before he's going to be back. And then, uh, the last one we have for you here, uh, Kansas city shortstop Adalberto Manasi. Guess what? He's still out. Shocker. Uh, so this, this is really interesting though. So, uh, Kansas city GM Dayton Morris said that basically we can't count on him as an everyday player next year. Maybe we limit him to a hundred games. We need to manage him cautiously because of his injury history. I'm not quoting directly. I'm paraphrasing. So what I want to know is how does this impact his value going into next year. And, and, and one thing to note is in 2019, he played a hundred games and he stole 43 bases, which was second behind Malik Smith. He was ahead of VR Acuna, Trey Turner, and Mondesi did it in fewer at bats than all of them. This year in NFBC leagues, his ADP was 26. His Yahoo ADP was 29. And his ESPN ADP was 124, which I think was closest to like true value. It was still off by 50 spots. Still <laughs> off. But uh, what, what does this do for his value next year? Do we Honestly, still – go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it feels, it feels like they're, what are they going to do? Just like let him pinch run all the time and that's it? Like I feel like that's the only safe way for, for him to play. He's, he's just not worth it injury-wise. And he doesn't – Unless you are in a roto league only, that's the only way I would even consider him, which makes sense because I think NFBC and Yahoo have more roto leagues than than ESPN. But overall, unless you're in a roto league and you need the stolen bases, it's just not worth rostering him. Like you're going to sit him on the aisle. And if anything, we've seen this year, there's so many players going on the IL you don't have the IL spots to have Mondesi sit on it for three quarters of your year or half of the year when you've got four other guys who are going out all the time. And we talked about COVID. It's, it's just not worth it. Yeah. The only, the only way that I would roster him next year, the only way that I would draft him is if I had all the rest of my starting players lined up and I had no steals anywhere. I just like punted steals and he was my steals guy or one of like my two or three steals guys. And, and I had him on my bench and I could get him around like pick 200. That's the only way I'm going to do it. And if somebody wants to take him before me, go for it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't, I, I don't see the value there. What, what do you do with him this year? If you still got, you still hold on to him, you drop him. What do I mean? I've, I've held on to him in my, in my one league because I have the IL spot for him. 
But again, that's the league that doesn't count stolen bases. I think he needs to go. Yeah. So we've got uh, lots of great streaming options for the next seven days. Uh, and we're going to get into uh, some, some MLB trade deadline review. Uh, and we'll get into that right after the break. Am I streaming? Am I streaming? So uh, we have a bunch of streamers for you for the next week. Uh, I'm going to give you some shallow league streamers, some guys who maybe are rostered in like 50, 60, 70% of leagues, but still might be out there. Uh, you know, if you're in something smaller than a 10 team mixed and uh, I'm picking on Texas a lot this week. Um, so uh, I'm going to give you a couple options here. Cleveland uh, starting pitcher Zach Plesak is uh, playing against Detroit on Saturday the 7th. You've got Austin Gomber of Colorado versus Miami also on Saturday the 7th. Angels starting pitcher Patrick Sandoval, who needs to be rostered in every league at this point, is playing against Texas on Thursday, this Thursday the 5th. Uh, Carlos Carrasco of the Mets is also an interesting option for me. He's still out there in a lot of leagues. He's got Miami today and Washington next Tuesday, the 10th. I would also look at Mets pitcher Tyler Meagill versus Philly on uh, Saturday, the 7th. Um, I'm also looking at a couple Yankees starting pitchers who have good matchups versus Seattle on uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, of this week, the sixth and the seventh. That's Jordan Montgomery and Andrew Heaney. Uh, I like Montgomery the most on Friday uh, out of those guys. Um, quality start machine, Oakland starting pitcher Cole Irvin has Texas on Saturday, the seventh, uh, and Seattle starting pitcher Logan Gilbert has Texas next Tuesday, the 10th. Told you I was picking on Texas this week. <laughs> Love it. Uh, these are uh, just two quick pitchers in terms of deep league streamers. And I'm, I'm going to pick a little bit on, on my beloved Baltimore Orioles, but on the 10th and then the 11th, we've got Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal both versus them. Tariq Skubal is actually, if you look at his roster rate is down 10% recently in ESPN leagues, he's only rostered 26%. I think he has a nice bounce back game versus the O's. Casey Mize is right on the fringe of, of deep leagues, depending on where you play in, in ESPN. He's rostered just a, a little south of 50%, I believe. So I would, I would give both of them a look if you're looking at some deep league, deep league streamers. There's a lot of great streaming options for you over the next seven days. Hopefully there's something in there that helps you out. And so what we'd like to do now is review the major MLB trade deadline deals and, and look at how those deals impact fantasy value. I want to play a little game here with reviewing these trades of the trade deadline. I basically want to figure out if we think a player's value since they've moved is up, down, or the same heading into their new team. So we'll just kind of go through the list here and, and you tell me what you think. So San Francisco, uh, infield, outfield, uh, Chris Bryant. How do you view his value uh, now that he's in San Francisco? Yep, I'm definitely going to say up. Um, they got lots of home runs, second in baseball. Um, so he's going to be in a productive lineup. Um, I, I think he's, he's playing almost at that MVP caliber, um, and it's just going to increase in San Francisco. Yeah. And he's going from a bottom 10 on base percentage team to the number seven team in baseball in OBP. So, you know, he's going to produce there. He's in a good hitting park in San Francisco and three of the five NLS parks are in the top half of what we would consider hitters parks this season. So uh, definitely Chris Bryant for me, value goes up. Uh, what about Mets shortstop Javi Baez? I, I'm, I'm honestly unsure if it's up or down with him or if we're going to just hold, I think, I don't think it's that much of a difference. 
Um, yeah, it's not, it, I, I'm, I'd say the same. How about you? Same for me. I, I don't think much changes with him. Bad OBP is not going to change in, in New York, but dude can hit home runs. He can steal. Uh, he's going to play second base if and when Lindor comes back. So maybe you get that little bump in, in positional flexibility, but yeah, he stays the same value-wise for me. Um, no significant change. One player who does uh, have some value change for me is new White Sox reliever Craig Kimbrell. So for me, his value goes down because you have to imagine he's going to split saves with Hendricks. Mm-hmm. I saw this as just a weird deal because uh, the White Sox already had one of the best closed in baseball. So you have to bump one of those guys out. And, you know, when things like that happen, these guys are so the re- closers, relievers are so like superstitious and like they have all these routines and everything. So how does this impact the psyche of those players using them? You know, it, it does one become set up? Do they s- split saves? You know, one guy is going to lose out, right? And so I think both of them have negative impacts on their value rest of season. And, and what we'll see in the next few weeks is if this is true. Yeah, I think if you didn't trade Craig Kimbrell before the deadline, you missed out. And that's, I think that's the, the way it works every year. If you have one of those closers who, who could potentially be dealt, it's, you're better off trading them sooner rather than later because they could have weird things like this happen every year. Uh, also, Toronto added re- uh, reliever Brad Hand. Uh, I see his value as going down, uh, mainly because Toronto seems set on using um, uh, Jordan Romano as the closer there. Uh, Hand has had a few rough outings since being there already, and there's potential that he doesn't even factor into a uh, a late-inning role. Uh, Where do you see his fantasy value? Yeah, I think it's down or really close to the same. And I would say he's someone that I would put if if people are dropping him because they think his value has gone down, I would put him on your scout team or your watch list and see what he does because Jordan Romano is unproven other than this year. And if he has a few blowups, I wonder what his leash is like. I mean, he wasn't the closer when the season started. He's only the closer because so many different guys have gotten hurt. So Brad Hand could be somebody that in another three, four weeks come fantasy playoff time could be the closer and might be someone worth picking up if you need extra saves. Where does Max Scherzer's value go since joining the Dodgers? The exact same place that it was. Max is Max. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, honest, honestly, like he's, he's a top five pitcher. There's no reason why. I mean, really – I mean, what do you think? He's probably, with DeGrom out, with Cole going down, he's probably one of the top three pitchers, right? Yeah, I think – let me see where I have him rest of the season. Do I have him? You probably got one? him top three. You have to. I mean, who else is better than – Shane Bieber isn't pitching. Yeah, I think, I think rest of the season he's certainly going to compete for that, for that top five, uh, top three. Um, Wheeler's been pretty good this year. Lynn has been really good recently. Walker Bueller's starting to turn it on. So I think, you know, you got to factor in rest of season. Um, You know, those guys are going to be in there too, but Max is so good and he's going to just an absolutely loaded Dodgers team with a really good bullpen too. So, you know, hopefully uh, they, they can give him more wins than, than we could give him here. Uh, And, so, yeah, so I see his value is staying the same. Same for uh, new Dodger shortstop Trey Turner. Uh, very, very similar analysis here. Uh, you know, I don't see guys like uh, Chris Taylor, McKinstry, Lux cutting into Turner's playing time. In fact, for me, it's the other way around. Um, Turner is going to stay very good there. He might be even a little bit better uh, in in L.A., but – not enough to impact his, uh, uh, you know, his, his stats in a significant way. He probably plays second base for the rest of the season. Maybe he gets some time in the outfield. 
Um, and like we said earlier, we're even seeing Mookie pick up games at second base. So that team wow. is going to mix and match a lot. The only, the only way his value would increase at all is if he adds positional eligibility somewhere else. But mm-hmm. he's a guy who's already a top five or ten player. So where does he have to go? Um, yep. Number one? You know, so I, I just don't see his value is like moving significantly up. Um, I would say players like Taylor McKinstry, Lux, uh, even Bellinger lose value. Um, although I do think they'll find a way to keep uh, Chris Taylor's bat in that lineup. He's been so productive. Uh, what are your thoughts on Trey? Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you said. I think the big takeaway here is that Lux is probably droppable except for in Dynasty. Um, I think depending on the size of your league, Bellinger, unless it's a Dynasty, is just not productive enough to be in like a standard 10-team ESPN league. There's so many better options mm-hmm. than him. I mean, that's the, the real takeaway for me is – not that Trey's going to get any better or worse or it changes it, but McKinstry, Lux, Ballinger, like they, when you look at the Ross, the Dodgers roster are just in my mind and looking at their, their stats, they're not worth rostering unless you're in dynasty. What about uh, new Washington starter, Josiah Gray? Yeah, dude threw a gem on his first, first night. I think for a guy who wasn't even in the majors, to now, you know, having a chance to start for the Nationals every fifth game, you have to say his, his value went up. Be interested to see what happens with him moving forward. He, he was, a, I think, a top 40 pros, prospect overall, only the number two prospect in the Dodgers system. Uh, so I, I think his value is absolutely up. Yeah, same. You know, he's going to start for the Nationals rest of, the rest of the way because they just don't have enough pitchers, enough healthy pitchers to, to start games. And you couldn't say that with the Dodgers. You know, the Dodgers traded for Duffy. So once, you know, Duffy and, and Kershaw come back from the IL, Gray would have gone back to AAA. So the Nats need him to start, and I'm excited to see what he does with his opportunity. Uh, for new Boston outfielder Kyle Schwerber, my thought is that his value actually goes down in Boston. Hmm. And, you know, he was getting everyday playing time in Washington. And I, I, I'm, you know, maybe they use him in a couple of different positions. Maybe they move him around, you know, DH, first base, left field. Um, so maybe he, maybe with platooning in different areas, he still gets, you know, what we would consider like full playing time. But um, I, I just don't know if he's going to stay that good, um, especially since they have other guys who are doing well at the top of their order, uh, which is where Schwarber was doing his best in, in Washington. What it is going to do is it's going to impact playing time for other Boston uh, starters, like maybe Hunter Renfro, uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, players like that. Where do you stand on Kyle Schorber? Um, I actually think – I feel like his value in general, like the Nets sold him at a good time. Um, I think he's going to regress a little bit to the mean. He's absolutely smoked the ball this year. Um, so I think his value is going to go down a little bit, but I don't think his playing time will really be that impacted. I see him starting at first base for them. I just don't know where else they play him. He's a liability in, in the outfield. Um, they got to start Hunter Renfro over him over there, but maybe they put him in because of his bat. I don't know. Um, he's someone to watch, but I would say his values, I would say probably about the same. What about uh, Yankees acquisitions, outfielder Joey Gallo and first baseman Anthony Rizzo? Um, I think the consensus here among a lot of people is that their value is going to go up. Um, you just went to, to one of the best hitting parks in majors. Um, if not the best other than Colorado, um, that short porch in, in left field. Anthony, I, I like Rizzo more than Gallo. 
Um, I think that's partially because I, I um, am not someone who sells out for power. I also saw a stat that if uh, Rizzo played all of his games that were all of his games that were in Chicago were actually played in New York, that he would have gone from having 16 home runs at the time he was traded to 23. That's Meaning, crazy. Like the amount of balls that would have gone out in New York versus in Chicago. So uh, I can see him topping 35 home runs, even though he had 16 at the time of the trade, I can see him topping 35 by the time the season's up. And yeah. I mean, yeah, he's the, for me, he's the, the clear winner. Joey Gallo, I think will also probably be the same. Um, and of course, you know, the Yankees you get richer. Um, yeah. I, I, these guys are going to rake in New York. Um, you know, for me, all, both of their values skyrocket. Uh, they're, they're both lefties. They're both pull hitters. Mm-hmm. And like you said, right. 23 home runs. Uh, he would have Rizzo would have had 23 home runs. I'd love to know how many Joey Gallo would have had if he had played the I'll whole have to look it up. <laughs> uh, you know, this, they are, perfect for Yankee Stadium. Joey Gallo pulls the ball 48% of his time for his career. So that's insane Good point. for, for the, that short porch and right. It's going to be amazing. Uh, for, especially <laughs> for me, because I roster Joey Gallo in Texas, Texas was last. They were very last in OBP. They were third worst in slugging. The Yankees are top 10 in OBP. It's a much better opportunity uh, for RBI for both Gallo and Anthony Rizzo, they're both going to hit in the heart of the lineup. Uh, I'm their value goes so so sky high. Um, Anthony Rizzo is already seeing increased production, and so is the rest of that that uh, lineup. So um, I would say if you get a chance to get either of these guys uh, over the next uh, you know couple weeks before your trade deadlines, get them. Yep, and you might take it. You might take advantage of the fact that Joey Gallo, even I just looked it up in the last seven days, doesn't have a single home run. Um, so I think some people who have him might get impatient if he doesn't produce immediately and want to get rid of him. So might be an op- opportunity to to trade for him. Milwaukee second baseman, third baseman, and soon to be very likely first baseman uh, Eduardo Escobar. So I see his value as kind of staying the same there. Uh, you know, he's another player who, you know, maybe gets a slight uptick because of what we assume is going to be added, another added position. But he's a guy who I don't see as being able to do much better than he already is, right? We talked about him recently as a player who could be on the move now that he did move. You know, he's not going to a stadium that should impact him. Um, or or a a division that should where the parks should impact him that much Um, you know he shouldn't be affected very much either way statistically he's still going to get consistent playing time Uh, he he should keep doing the things that made him a solid power hitter this year and one thing that I uh, thought about with him is that you know yeah Arizona wasn't the greatest lineup, but the, the, uh, the Brewers are not blowing anybody away with their offense. Nope. So it's not like he's got this, like, it's not like he got sent to the Yankees, right? It's not like he's got all these amazing, you know, power hitters around him. Uh, So I I just don't see where, where we can say his value uh, is, you know, massively increased. For me, it only increases if he truly picks up first base eligibility. That's when I see it increase some. Um, that that that's where it's at for me. And second base outfielder Adam Frazier for the Dodgers. Uh, for me, his value goes down with a caveat. So if if Tatis is out, I think his value stays the same. But if Tatis plays again. To me, the value goes down, and the reason is because San Diego just has too many options, uh, which you know normally you would think of as like a, a really great thing if you're a fan there. Um, but as like a fantasy manager, uh, you you know this is a problem because San Diego has to keep everybody happy. 
They need at bats for Will Myers. They need at bats for Eric Hosmer. They need at bats for uh, for uh, uh, Frazier, for all these guys. Profile Cronenworth. Profile right. They've got so many players that they need to 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 get at bats for. And you know, and, and since Myers and Hosmer didn't get traded, right? They've got to keep those guys happy. So. Even though Frazier, he let off his first two games with San Diego, he's not guaranteed to do that all the time. He let off uh, versus right-handed pitchers, batted second against lefty pitcher, uh, a lefty pitcher in his third game, and went 0-4. Uh, you know, maybe they move him farther down the order in lefties. And so for me, if Tatis is going to be back this season, uh, I think Frazier loses a little bit of value and – that's because the only reason you have him is because of hits and runs, his batting average, and he scores runs. That's it. Uh, you know, but, you know, if Tatis comes back, right, Hosmer, Myers, Cronenworth, they all eat into his playing time and vice versa. So all those guys are likely negatively impacted, whether it's, you know, a large amount or slightly, you know, it, it, it hurts – a lot of people's value if Tatis comes back. <laughs> Except for Tatis. Except for Tatis. <laughs> um, uh, it's so interesting that you say you feel like they have to keep him happy. You know, I was looking at, you You think about the Myers and, and Hosmer, and they both got pretty big uh, contracts with the Padres recently. So you feel like they have to keep him happy. But when you look at their stats, if they want to win, why are they starting them over Adam Frazier? Adam Frazier is clearly the better player this year. You didn't trade for him for no reason. You traded for him because Eric Hosmer has been hot garbage this year. He's just not been good, even though they're paying him like, you know, what, what I just looked it up. It's like $18 million a year. Like, that's insane. I hope that the Padres will play Adam Frazier the time that he's deserved. And if he is – and Tatis comes back, then I think his value actually goes up because he's got a better lineup around him if he plays every day. So it's, it's a huge caveat. If Tatis comes back and they actually play him appropriately, he's someone to monitor how often he's actually starting and what happens over the next week or two because I think it goes up if they sit. Hos- Hosmer's the one, in my opinion, that Hosmer or Myers, either one of them, their stats are not even close to, to Frazier. Yeah, and and just really quick on on Hosmer and, and Myers, right, and those contracts and and playing time and everything, and you know, a lot of times players will say like, "Whatever it takes to win, whatever it takes to win." Do they really mean that, <laughs> or do they want to play? Do they want to get their stats? Do they want to make their bonuses for appearances or hits sure. or? runs straight you know they these guys have parts of their contracts that have to do with playing time so you know we'll see yeah i don't know eric hosmer's got eight home runs on the year right like (laughs) not playing very well so we'll see and then we have starting pitcher jose barrios of toronto uh where do you see his value going uh, rest of season here you know honestly i think it might be about the same. Um, he's a solid pitcher. I don't think the change in teams makes that much of a difference. How about for you? I, I, I think it goes up a little bit. Minnesota was not very good. Toronto is a, a bit better of a team around him. You would think going to an offense like that is going to get him a few more wins. Maybe does the ERA go up playing against Boston and and New York and and Tampa? Maybe, but uh, he still gets games against Baltimore. Very true. Um, although they've been sneaky, you know, occasionally they're known to 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 hit when you whenever I put someone to stream against them. That's usually how it works. <laughs> yeah, he it, it, he's one of those guys where it's going to be. I think league dependent. If you're in a quality starts league, maybe he, maybe the value stays more so the same. If you're in a wins league, I think his value goes up a little bit.
We'll be back next Wednesday where we'll cover all the major fantasy baseball news. But in the meantime, you can tweet us at FastballPod, reach out to us on Instagram at FastballFantasyBaseball, or email us at FastballFantasyBaseball at gmail.com. We'll respond. Your questions will make it onto the show, and we'll even shout you out. So drop your social media handles, and you know we're happy to respond to things on the show. Also, make sure you've subscribed so you're notified when new episodes publish. If you want to get more info from me, I'm currently writing baseball, fantasy baseball, and baseball betting articles for thegameday.com. It's a great resource for all sorts of uh, sports and sports betting uh, news and, and updates. Also, check out creativesports2.com. That's the number two. I have a column there called Three Strikes, and I post there every Thursday. Finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating helps move this podcast up the list on all the podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So it's something that really helps us out. And thanks for listening.